Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in. Um, ahead of International Women's Day, a few of us thought it would be a nice idea to jump on a quick Hatch podcast and chat about our experiences of being women working in the creative comms industry. So firstly, hi and thank you to Helen Simpson and Lucy Zalma for doing this. Hi. Hello. First question is more from a generic campaign perspective with our PR heads on. Um, it is a bit of a running joke that brands tend to jump on days like this with activity just to raise their own profile, jump on the bandwagon. But how important do you think it is that there are days like this with a lot of media noise? Um, well, I think to start off with, very important. Um, I actually read a headline that The Guardian put out this morning that said, um, I think it was on the lines of, we don't need discount vouchers for International Women's Day, we need equal rights. <laughs> so I think for a starter, it's really important to mention that, you know, I think there is a perception that um, it can often be used, you know, in terms of a marketing opportunity and actually capitalising on, on the day itself. But actually, it isn't just another awareness day, it's a celebration in terms of actually how far we've come. In terms of uh, women's rights over the last um, well hundreds of years, um, but also I think it's a, it's an important platform to, to recognise how far we still need to go, um, and you know what needs to happen. So, as well as businesses utilising it perhaps as a marketing tool, it's important in a way that it actually puts the spotlight on businesses um, to do more in the fight for gender equity and actually the spotlight on what our businesses do from a policies and a processes perspective. Um, it's probably important to mention from an educational standpoint as well. It is, a, you know, a, a key date in a calendar to talk to young people in schools about women's rights. Um, from a charitable perspective, there is a lot of really positive um, activity happening around today um, in order to raise money for women's charities. I would um, agree with, with Helen. I think it's from a brand perspective, you know, it's easy to kind of think, oh, I'm going to get involved and I've, I've got something to say. But I think we just need to... Um, remember that this day is a celebration of how far women have come, but it's also, as Helen says, to highlight the the way we, how far we've we've still got to go and the improvements that have still got to be made across kind of the professional world, but also um, kind of across the globe for, in terms of kind of cultural issues as well. So I think there's a lot there's a lot at play, and I think what today does is give um, brands and people and communities a voice to to be able to kind of have their argument and have their say and to ultimately drive change. So um, I personally um, am a big fan. And I think when you see it kind of trending on Twitter and the engagement they see across across social media and how many people like to get in, involved and like to use it as a platform to 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 say and do new things, then then that's all really positive. We obviously do quite a lot of activity around awarenesses. Um, what advice would we give to brands that are looking to activate on something like International Women's Day? Because we know that some are better placed than others to be talking about particular conversations. I think, Helen, what you've mentioned there about um, the substance within businesses to make sure that their policies um, reflect the messages that they're putting out through campaigns is really important. So as a PR agency, what um, advice would we be giving to brands if they were looking to activate on days like this? Um, so I think to start off with, it's important to be purpose led. Um, we just mentioned earlier about, you know, the, the media agenda and people can see through brands who are appearing to capitalise on days like this. So 
delivering meaningful act activations is really important, making sure that actually you are delivering something that is going to either be a call to action, um, it's sharing a, you know, a, a genuine change that's going to improve um, equity, gender equity, whether that's for women in the workplace um, or, you know, from a charitable perspective as well. So make sure that the message that you're giving is, as we said, authentic, um, it's meaningful, it's going to drive change or have a call to action. Um, and I think more so than that, make sure it's relevant to you as a brand. So do something that is going to help women in your own workplace, your female consumers, um, and that it actually relates to what you do as a business. I would agree with what Helen said, and I think um, planning is really important as well, that you are, you know, it's not a kind of last minute attempt just to be part of a trend that's on Twitter, for example. It needs to be, as Helen says, purpose driven and, and actually serve a, serve a purpose and do a job, I think. So, um, and I think a lot of consum consumers and the public are wise to when brands do it and it doesn't quite perform well or it falls flat. So I think, you know, you, you do need to kind of be careful in your messaging um, and make sure that it, it you are putting the right message out to the right people. Um, but yeah, I think what Helen said is, is exactly right. It needs to serve a purpose. We've seen some really good examples this year. And I think um, the charity that we, we talk about between the three of us um, before is Pregnant Then Screwed. Um, they've put out the billboard advert with the crying baby sound because research showed that it's impossible to ignore a crying baby. But underpinning that was the message that actually, um, I think it's three in four women um, say that it no longer makes financial sense for them to go to work. And they're talking about how um, the cost of childcare is, I think, 75% of um, salary for a quarter of parents. So it's really significant and International Women's Day is giving them a you know an opportunity um, in terms of a key date to actually go out and deliver those messages, support it with research, drive change, um, put important issues on the agenda as well. I think that's probably a good chance for us to just move on to one of the next questions I had on my list which is you know one of the biggest conversations or decisions that women have to make in any industry but particularly in hours where it moves so quickly is having children um, and both of you have had your first kids in the last couple of years so I think I would be really interested to know a little bit more about the decisions the thought process in the run-up to you having your kids in terms of what you've expected your return to work to be like and then what the reality has been like. Look I just came back to work four months ago so it's very fresh to me um, and I think I should start by saying that I'm very fortunate to work in a progressive agency. Um, we have a lot of policies in place to support women and also men to have babies and also have a successful career. So um, I was lucky in the sense that I was, you know, very supported. And the sad truth is that there are still a lot of businesses that don't share our perspective and our policies in that respect. So, um we have, I think it's probably important to say, you know, we have an enhanced maternity and paternity policy. That's something that we introduced um, by listening to our team, really, and what mattered to them. Um, we also have quite a few policies in place around flexible working, uh, shared parental leave, leave for dependents. All of those things are put in place to try and make um, it, you know, as easy as possible and recognise that actually work-life balance is difficult. Um, that said... Um, it's not a walk in the park and I must say that uh, having a baby and returning to work and juggling everything is a challenge so it is really important that you work 
within a team, um, with, with an agency or with a workplace that recognises that, um, because that support will be really will be key. Yeah, I guess from my experience was generally really positive. So I think, like Helen says, it's important to, to say that first. But obviously, I'm, you know, you're on social media, you see charities, you see individuals sharing their stories, and that's not always the case. So it is quite shocking some of the stories that you hear from women that have had really bad experiences either notifying their employer that they're pregnant or when they're discussing kind of their return to work I think naturally women worry about this kind of thing I know when I found out I was pregnant um you do immediately think what impact is that going to have on my job and also my career development over over a longer period I think I do think that's just something women will will kind of innately worry about um and that in itself is is wrong and I think that that proves that there's more that perhaps needs to be done on a on a wider scale it's like when you say that Lucy it's kind of that even with within an agency like ours there is still societally that stigma isn't there around women yeah. putting their career on pause which there shouldn't be but for some reason there is so naturally if you are a career orientated yeah. woman you're going to ask yourself, you know, what does it mean for me? What will it mean for my career? Um, will I have to work harder to prove myself? And they're just, um, I think, those concerns that we have because society has told us that, you know, women have to put their career on pause. Yeah, and I think when I, when I came back, I immediately had that imposter syndrome that I know a lot of women feel and suffer with when they do return to work. Can I do my job? Have I lost you know have I lost how it you know what what works and what doesn't have I lost grasp of of what how to how to perform well in in the workplace and I think that again is is what women kind of put on themselves and that level of guilt whether it's parental guilt or not I think is 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 for a good thing um so I I remember when I was on maternity I started following charities like um Pregnant and Screwed that Helen's mentioned but also Flex Appeal um which you know kind of opened my eyes to the fact that you know there there are there are still a lot of women out there that aren't getting the support that they need and as Helen said when I notified Hatch and, and our agency of, of my pregnancy I, I, I was fully supported kind of the whole way and they've actually made changes to the maternity and paternity policy since since then and since more of the staff have kind of um you know become parents so I think that's it's it's hugely important to recognise that and to recognise that days such as International Women's Day are help driving that change and are helping individuals have sometimes difficult conversations with their employers. So, again, it's another reason why I'm a massive supporter of days like this. I think as well, you know, knowing that returning to work after having a baby isn't a walk in the park is really important. So, as I said, I was four months, I think, into my return, but the biggest learning I had um with some support from Matt and James who are our fellow directors out there who've got kids um was don't put too much pressure on yourself and I think that was really important because I had this idea that everything would go perfectly but it just doesn't you know there might be baby sick on your shoulder <laughs> you might have a handbag full of pegs <laughs> you might get a call from nursery <laughs> to say that there's been another bubonic plague outbreak but that is fine and working for a company that recognises that is really important but the other thing that I think has stood out to me mostly I think in my return is we talked about the doubts that we have but actually becoming a parent becoming a mother it actually 
is a true test of resilience. So the skills that you gain through like bringing a child into work, into the world, they actually only make you a stronger people manager, you know, more empathetic, uh, empathetic business leader, better team player. So actually you can still be career career orientated, successful, serious at your job and be a great parent as well. Um, so we, Helen and I sit on the board with our three male managing partners and Lucy, you also sit as a member of the senior leadership team as well. Um, and then I think across the rest of the agency, we have a really good balance from a gender perspective, which is definitely one of the reasons why I enjoy working at Hatch so much. What do you think are the benefits or the importance of us having that balance across the team? I think from... Um client perspective and how the agency works obviously having a mix of of male and male and female staff is going to be really good because you can kind of understand the consumer a little bit more so from a perspective level it's great because it allows us to delve into what you know different target markets and different audiences and I think if we were an exclusively all female staff it's it'd be harder to to do a good job across some accounts and and likewise if we're an all-male staff so I think just having that mix is is great from a kind of understanding the wider um consumer and, and understanding what they how and where they consume their media and their news I think so from a PR perspective it's absolutely necessary to have a to have a mix yeah I would uh, echo what Lucy said I think that balance particularly in terms of decision makers is really important from a perspective point of view providing that different viewpoint um you know we're able to kind of advocate for women in the workplace and in you know issues that we're aware that impact us specifically um <clears throat> i think there are a lot of businesses that are becoming more astute to issues around um you know feminine health uh, with things like uh, menstrual and menopause symptoms childbirth we actually mentioned the other day victim we about um West Ham becoming the first Premier League club to become menopause friendly so yeah we are seeing more and more businesses particularly in, in the sport industry um, who are doing more to recognise women uh, and gender equity which is really important and our experiences of that I think is, is also crucial in terms of how we can feed that into the way that we develop policies and, and processes um, and the things that we can deliver to our team. Um, I think it's probably worth mentioning as well that around this table, we sit across three quite important areas of the business. So our perspectives we can feed through into, from my point of view, recruitment, hiring, um, talent, investing in people. Vic, I know that you focus on operations, so the processes that we've got in place uh, to spot a team to do their job. And Lucy, as well, you're, um, you deliver our Hatch profiling um, and Hatch PR. So how we actually um, speak to the team, the culture that we develop, um, how we challenge gender stereotypes, all of those things are really important and fed through everything that you do from a, a marketing strategy perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think Hatch has always been really, really good at that and kind of supporting um, progression across all levels of the team. But as you said, having I think I think what's interesting at Hatch is there's there's a full mix of ages as well as kind of male and female. So it might be that you get, you know, someone in the team who's a lot younger than myself coming in and highlighting something that they've seen on social media, whether it's whether it's around kind of menstrual health, like you say, Helen, something that's more topical and that they perhaps are closer to it than we are so I think again having 
having a split of male and female is brilliant, but also kind of the different the different walks of life that our women are able to talk about and, and bring to the table is, is always good as well. Nick, it'd be interesting to get your perspective, actually, because you have always focused on sport in terms of the sector here, mm-hmm. largely male dominated industry. Um, I mean, if you just look at the headlines today, the amount of activity that's taking place from football specifically, um, I think is probably stronger than ever. Um, what's your view of that being? Um, and, you know, in terms of International Women's Days, particularly? Yeah, I think sport is definitely an area that's progressing really quickly. Um, the success of the Lionesses last summer has absolutely driven that demand, I think, across a lot of areas of sport, not just in football. Um, as you say, today, the government's committed extra funding for PE lessons to make sure that girls have the same access to sport as boys. And that's off the back of the Lionesses writing a letter to government after they won the Euros last year. So I think even just that mindset of them winning this huge trophy and their instant reaction is to think about the legacy and the impact on the future generation is really positive. Um, You know, we're seeing improved maternity and menopause policies at elite clubs. We've got teams changing their kits from having white shorts to dark shorts to account for the reality of players being on their periods while they're competing. Um, All of these are absolutely steps in the right direction. I think anyone that's not doing that needs to be looking at these clubs and teams kind of leading the way and and that's how you get it right. Um, The reality is we know that one in three board roles across sport, but I think across pretty much every industry, um, it's only one in three that are filled by women. And if we had more women in women's sport, we'd likely see these changes happen more quickly. Um, I've personally worked with so many incredible women across sport in the projects I've been lucky enough to work on. So for me, it's just making sure there's more of us, really, because we're seeing those positive changes. Um, we just need to see that kind of come to life in more women working across the sector for me. To wrap up then, um, what advice would you give to any young women that are looking to get into our industry, creative comms, PR, social events, whatever it might be, um, but particularly the ones that are interested in being leaders? For a starter, you you know you have a voice, um, so don't be afraid to use it. Your opinion, your perspective, your knowledge is really valuable. Um, network, so build, um, build contacts in the industry um meet like-minded people um i think that's really important to best practice share um take every opportunity available to you as well particularly from a training and upskilling a speaking opportunity don't shy away from those you know um put yourself forward um for any opportunity to build your profile and then i think as well values do matter so to any um women looking for employment opportunities regardless you know of whether or not um, children are on the horizon and we spoke about that before but my advice would be just to seek out employers whose policies represent um, your interests and your values. Yeah I think that's um, a really important point I think from from my perspective in terms of kind of my career I was always kind of I just did things off my own bat and I would encourage other people to do the same you know have a bit of confidence in yourself don't be worried to to approach a brand or a business and kind of put yourself out there I think um, typically women can be a little bit apologetic and a little bit you know they, they almost undersell themselves sometimes particularly in the workplace so I think just having a bit of confidence in yourself um, being um, tenacious and absolutely going after something that you you think you could perform well at um, and also kind of 
dipping your toe in various areas of the PR world is also a really, you know, useful way to, to get your foot in the door, as it were. So it might it might be that you don't really know whether you want to be an account director or an account manager, for example, but you might want to dabble in social media or content. And, and I think, you know, don't be afraid that you might not know the path you're going to take to begin with. I think everything... Um, you don't necessarily have to know exactly what you want to be or who you want to what, what position you want to get to but I would encourage people to have more confidence in themselves and to have conversations with prospective employers or the current employers as soon as possible to kind of let them know what you're thinking and what your development plans look like. I think I, think I echo a lot of what you guys have said that um, it's just a case of it's the same advice I would give to pretty much anybody is to put yourself out there get as much experience as you can, take every opportunity that comes your way. And just think that for the most part, everyone's CVs look the same when you're getting started. Um, So you really need to think about what you want to specialise in, what you're really interested in, and how you can get experience in that um, as early as possible. Um, But really, it's just having confidence in yourself. Like Lucy says, as women, we tend to undersell ourselves. We're always the first people to self-sabotage. Um, so just have that confidence to know what you want to achieve and go for it. Thank you both so much for having that chat. Um, I appreciate there's lots, lots more that we could have covered off, but 20 minutes only allows for so much. So if anybody, we should. That being said, if there is anybody listening that has any questions for us, obviously, please feel free to get in touch. Um, And if you have any International Women's Day campaigns going ahead, then we wish you the best of luck with those. And we'll speak to you soon.